In the highlands of Denver, Colorado, sits a quiet and beautiful bed and breakfast. Despite its elegant and rustic exterior, the mansion has had its fair share of dark history, and it's now a popular haunted location to visit when you come to the Mile High City. This is the haunting history of the Lumber Baron Inn. I'm Ashton, and welcome to the Haunted Corner. everyone welcome back to the haunted corner it's thursday and it's time for another spooky one and this one like the bell witch cave has a bit of true crime mixed into the history this is the history and hauntings of the lumber baron inn it's been featured on netflix's 28 days haunted and I got a lot of information from a Denver Post article written by Alana Jefferson in October of 2003. This is a pretty spooky one, so let's get into it. John Mowat was born in 1848 in Scotland, and he immigrated to America in 1873 at the age of 25, settling in Denver, Colorado. John was the founder of Mowat Lumber and the company built over 200 of Denver's original buildings. He built a Queen Anne-style mansion for his wife, Amelia, and their five children in Denver in 1890. The almost 10,000-square-foot mansion features five guest rooms with private baths, two parlors, a formal dining room, and a ballroom. John Mowat was said to have lived in the house until he retired and moved to San Diego in 1906. The Mowat family sold their mansion to Hiram Fowler and his family, who lived there while the location was still a well-to-do neighborhood. Hiram Fowler had made his money from his mining business and was known for his kindness to the neighborhood children. The ballroom was used every day as a children's playroom, and children loved to play with the Fowler daughter's lovely doll playhouse. After that time, the home changed ownership several times. It became a business school at one point and was eventually divided into a 23-unit apartment building. And this is when the true crime portion of today's tale comes into play. In 1970, Caroline Nosh, a free-spirited 17-year-old, abandoned her suburban upbringing to live in a $48 per month studio in the building. Her friend, 18-year-old Marion Weaver, often visited Kara at her apartment. On October 11th, Kara turned 17 and celebrated her birthday with her family. She announced that she was going to return to the school and had planned to move out of the apartment four days later. 
On the evening of the 12th of October, Marianne went over to Kara's house to visit. According to a friend, he drove by in the middle of the night and found Marianne's car at Kara's apartment. He parked his car and went inside the building, where he found the apartment door ajar. He opened the door where he found Marianne lying on the bed, deceased, with a gunshot wound to, the, to her head. Her killer had positioned her body on Nasha's bed with her arms crossed over her chest, vampire style. After looking closer, he noticed an arm sticking out from underneath the bed. He would then discover Kara's lifeless body shoved underneath the bed. She was strangled to death at that point. It's theorized that Marianne arrived at the apartment and interrupted Kara's murder. The killer then shot Marianne to cover his tracks, according to police. The friend who found the girls fled the house and called police from an all-night diner on Federal Boulevard. One of the first investigators on the scene 33 years ago said, quote, Remember, this was a time when people traveled the streets and were often taken in by friends. We had some good suspects, but they never panned out. I think we even had one guy try to confess to the crime, but this story didn't pan out or it didn't fit, end quote. Police never uncovered a murder weapon or a motive, which is something that continues to haunt investigators. The murders have never been solved, and they are now part of the Denver Police DNA Cold Case Project. The fact that the murders remain unsolved to this day is said to be the main cause of the amount of paranormal activity that continues to occur at the Lumber Baron Inn. The property sat empty for a while until Walter Keller sunk his fortune into it in 1991 when he purchased the property for $80,000, where neighbors saw a fright house with boarded-up windows, drooping eaves, cracked paint, rotted wood, and overgrown weeds. Keller envisioned a romantic bed-and-breakfast filled with turn-of-the-century antiques. Before opening the property, Keller says he knew nothing about the neighborhood lore that dubbed his Victorian home haunted. He said, quote, I knew there had been two murders here, but that's all, end quote. He claims that not too long after they moved in, he noticed a group of teenagers standing outside nearby the house. All of a sudden, one of them ran up to the side of the house, tapped the wall, and then they all ran down the block screaming. Now Keller has invested more than a dozen times the amount that he purchased the property for, restoring the house to its original charm. That's why the homeowner was up late one night in 1993 cutting shower tiles when he, heard, when he had an eerie encounter. The house was quiet, but something bothered him. He said, quote, I just felt something. It was like someone was standing over me, watching. Then I'd look over my shoulder, and no one was there, end quote. 
the presence vanished and the hairs rose on the back of his neck. He said, it's no coincidence that the encounter happened just outside the Valentine Suite. This is the room where Kara Nosh and Marianne Weaver were murdered. One night, his ex-wife was sitting near the old creaky staircase when she heard someone coming down the stairs. When she stood up and turned around, she could actually see the wood move, but no one was there. Walter Keller described that on another occasion, the mother of a a bride planning to to wed at the Lumber Baron Inn was arranging a floral centerpiece in the inn's four-story banquet hall when, quote, out of the corner of her eye, she saw a young woman in a blue flapper dress sitting on the window bench with a glass of champagne in her hand. When she walked back to say hello, she felt a cool blast of air, and there was no one there. She ran down the stairs screaming, end quote. A certified paranormal investigator named Dee Chandler has investigated the Lumber Baron Inn and described her experience. She claims that one evening she stood alone in the banquet hall when an invisible entity whispered in her ear. In another instance, she was with a group of people in the kitchen when the refrigerator suddenly began to shift back and forth. While investigating, she began sensing a presence in one of the guest bathrooms, so she took a picture, and what she says is in the picture is the reflection of Marianne Weaver in the mirror that is hung eight feet off the floor. The ghost hunt convinced Chandler that the two murdered girls are not the only spirits at the Lumber Baron Inn which is also what the paranormal investigators and the sensitives in 28 Days Haunted claim as well. The current owner, Joel Bryant, has claimed that he has heard noises and experienced strange feelings while in the mansion as well. Now back to the true crime connection. I went down a bit of a Reddit rabbit hole and found some interesting information. At the time of Marianne Weaver's murder, she had a young child. And I read a comment on a Reddit post from a person who claimed that they were the daughter of Marianne Weaver. They also said that Kara was the target of the murder and that it was mob-related. The poster claimed that officers didn't secure the scene properly and that they didn't have all the information in their notes and their reports either. So who knows if this person is telling the truth, but I definitely thought it was interesting and something to mention. I'll link to that Reddit post in the show notes as well, so you guys can check it out. If you have any information about the murder of Karen Nosh or Marianne Weaver, please call the Denver Crime Stoppers at 720-913-7867. And that is the haunted history of the Lumber Baron Inn. You can stay there, get married there, or just go on a tour. It's a very close location to me, so I plan on staying there in the near future. 
So stay tuned for a follow-up on this episode. I know this was a quickie, but I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for tuning in today. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. If you enjoyed the cruise ship disappearances part one, part two is available now on the on Patreon at the $1 per month level on up. If you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to an upcoming episode one week early and you'll get access to the exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months plus a lot more. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to tell a friend and rate or review us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you have a case suggestion or correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time. Bye.